All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck buddies? What the fuck sticks? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast. WTF, it's called. How's it going? These shows that you're listening to now were done last week because uh, we needed to get this week done. Because uh, my producer, Brendan, is uh, taking uh, some R&R with the fam, as they say, when you have a fam and take R&R. Me, I don't know from that. But so this is actually occurring the day after I played Largo with my band, the unnamed band, because I didn't want to name them out of a sense of insecurity. I just wanted to play. And many of you knew about the lead up and what was I, what was at stake. It's very interesting what was at stake, which was, uh, as I explained it to you all a while back, it was the trauma, the trauma of failure, the trauma of failure in front of people, which oddly, I made my life. As I talked to you uh, weeks before the performance about uh, the, the final show at music camp where I crapped out with a bunch of guys who were wasted. I I don't need to recap the story. The movement towards performing on stage in the capacity that I did last night, which would have been last week, uh, for you listening now, was to to sort of own it. Be the band leader. Do the singing. Pick the songs. And do it with enough confidence to where I wasn't falling into myself on stage. I wasn't trying to disappear as I perform on stage. That's a, that's some the magic of insecurity is not entertaining, which means if you're up there trying to do a show of any kind, but inside you're like, I don't want to be here. I'm going to check out. I'm going to leave my body here and uh, and see if they can see that magic. Of course, they, t- they can see it. You'll fail because you've left. You've left your body. It's not impressive. Even I don't even think it would be impressive if you set it up like that. If you said, now I'm going to leave my body and let my, my empty machine perform for you while I go elsewhere and feel bad about what I dragged that machine through. So I don't know if you'll see this magic, but it's happening. If you presented it like that, people would be like, oh, this sounds like it should be good. It's not good. It's not. It's sad. And it's uh, it's not entertainment. So ultimately, the attempt was to at least immerse myself in the songs and the playing. At least have enough belief in my singing and my playing to uh, to do it with this group of guys that I I've chosen to uh, to uh, support me in this. One of them being Jimmy Vivino, who was going to play a couple songs, but then ended up playing all the songs. He's part of the band and was into it. So I'm playing with Jimmy Vivino, who you know from uh, being Conan's band leader, who showed me so many licks over the years and let me use so many guitars and let me, like a real hero of mine, real honor to play with him in a, in a way that I hadn't before, which was as an equal. Obviously I'm not. I just play what I play and I'm a little jolty and choppy and choky up there. But I think that'll, that'll, that'll kind of ease up. It was a good time and we definitely... I definitely transcended the trauma. I definitely reconfigured it in my mind. I did active sound therapy on a sound-based trauma, an out-of-tune sound-based trauma. On the show today, I talked to uh, Zoe Lister-Jones. Uh, she came up when uh, when I was actually talking to Helen Hunt 
Helen, if you remember, Helen said she had just shot a movie directed by Zoe and that she was an interesting person who would make for a good guest. And I watched a movie. The movie is How It Ends, which came out earlier this summer, is now available to buy or rent on digital platforms. She's an actor uh, who was a regular on the series Delocated, Whitney, The New Girl. She's been in movies like The Other Guys. She directed two other features, Band-Aid and The Craft Legacy. And I, uh, I thought, well, why don't I talk to this woman about her work? And uh, she agreed. And it was, uh, it was very funny. I liked her. I think you'll enjoy it. So the songs, it was a great show. I had uh, Lori Kilmartin do comedy and Fahim Anwar, who I think is very funny. One of the funniest guys. He's like a young dude. He's funny. I always thought he was funny, but now I think he's funnier. I haven't felt this way about, I haven't had the sort of a comedy man crush on uh, any uh, comics since uh, probably Bargatze. Yeah, and he's, you know, he's huge now. So maybe, maybe he'll become a big star and not talk to me. Maybe that's what, what do I sound like? I sound like a, like a, a sad, obsessed woman. Funny guy. That's all I'm saying. Jesus Christ. Back off. Back off. Yeah, so basically the structure of the show was we got a blues going, got a little A blues going, a little, a little shuffle to it, and the, the band went out there and they started that. I walked out, strapped on my guitar, did a little monologue, setting up the evening, a little bit of that jump blues feel behind me, kind of riffing away, old school. Then I laid down some riffs, some uh, some relatively meaty blues riffs. Though it's weird that like I don't play with people often, and so... The, the difference in confidence between me kind of really kind of locking in here in the garage and me on stage with somebody just felt a little jolty, a little tentative. I'd like to get past that. See, this is the this is the big deciding thing for me is that, okay, I've done it. Now, do I just put it behind me and say, like, that's done? Or do I try to get better at it? Does the world need another, you know, cranky Jewish middle-aged white guy playing guitar with his friends uh, publicly? No. Am I trying to be a professional musician? No. Do I think I'm good enough to be entertaining alongside my comedy? I think so. I think so. Do I think I could get better? Yes. Am I going to judge myself against people who are much better than me and use that to beat myself up with? Probably. Probably going to do a little of that. Was I happy with what I did? I was. So we did that. We did the blues and we went into the Spaceman 3. Um, I Walk With Jesus. Then Lori did some very funny dark humor. Then I came back. We did uh, What Goes On by the Velvet Underground. We did The Stroll by the Diamonds. Then uh, Fahim did some some work up there, some funny work. Then uh, I came back. We did uh, Isis. Yeah, we did. We did Isis by Bob Dylan. That's where I, I might have made a mistake in judgment. Very long song, about 13 verses, very dirgy, kind of a, a late mid-period Dylan piece from uh, the Desire album, which is one of my favorite songs and quite a story, but not a Dylan song that most people know. So I went into a dirgy 13-verse Dylan song that most people don't know, you know, three quarters of the way through the show. Not, not a great choice in terms of my ability to get through it without going like, wow, this is going on for a while. Sorry. Didn't mean to drag you through this. Couldn't muster up the small amount of confidence I had for the evening and apply it to getting through ISIS without making funny comments at how long it was. And it's such a great song. Mad that I ruined it. Then after ISIS, I did some comedy. Then we came back. We did Broke Down Palace. It was the day before Lynn Shelton's birthday, which was last uh, Friday. I think that 
One of the reasons I did the show was for Lynn. She would have liked it. And I did Broke Down Palace and I cried during rehearsal. Didn't cry the night of the show. But I did like sort of have a hard time remembering the words and chords. So I had to keep looking at it. But I think it was a defense mechanism against not crying during it. Then we kind of closed the show. Then we came back and we did Rollin' and Tumbling, Muddy Water song, which I believed in some weird way was necessary to know how to play your own. It's necessary to own that song to be a blues guy. So you got to do your version of it. And ours sort of sounded B-fart-ish, which uh, Vivino pointed out. So, you know, it kind of went into a B-fart direction, which I was like, great. Not only do I understand Muddy Waters, but finally understand B-fart. And you're right. That's what it sounds like. That's where we ended up. I was proud of it. Proud of it. Proud of the evening. It all went well. It went good. Fucking Dr. Bronner sent me all this goddamn chocolate and uh, they're making chocolate now and it's so fucking good and this isn't a paid plug. It's just, I, I just want to say that uh, it's amazing and go fuck yourself. You know, fuck the chocolate bars. I, I have like 40 of them. What am I going to do with that? I'm just going to eat them and get doughy and weird. It's going to lead to pasta. Fucking Man. Just shovel the coals into the shame engine, will you? I got to find the funny. That's a quotable. Let's put that on my gravestone when I die of fucking a clogged heart from pasta and chocolate. Shovel the coals into the shame engine. I got to find the funny. Is that what I said? I like it. I like it. Listen, uh, Zoe Lister-Jones is here. Her, her movie, How It Ends, is available to buy or rent on digital platforms. It's got Helen Hunt, Fred Armisen, Olivia Wilde, Nick Kroll, Bobby Lee, Whitney Cummings, Charlie Day, Paul Shear, Bradley Whitford, and a bunch of other people you know and like, not including me. Wow. I just was not on her list. Why did I even have her on? This is me talking to Zoe Lister-Jones. Enjoy. <laughs> So how often do you go to the dermatologist? I try to go every six months. It's been two years since I've been there. Oh, Mark. I had a basal cell on my face. You gotta go. I'm going Wednesday. Okay. But it didn't feel like that long. I guess COVID and whatever time got weird. I've always been, I'm like, I'm a super hypochondriac, but I also don't Uh, go to the doctor enough. It's a dumb- What's enough? I go every year to the doctor. I don't know. Yeah, every year. But like, there was like, there were like two years, there was a two year span that I didn't go to the dentist. That's not okay. I'm, my dentist retired. Okay. I don't know what to do about that either. You got to get a, a different one. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, how do you, the, the, just do you the idea that? of trying to find a dentist is, is and, and I have money. Yeah. And, but the idea of looking for one that's good, I never think I get the good one. Ever. Yeah. Of anything. No. Do you? No, in fact, I was wondering if I was cursed the other day with what? just like t- a terrible, just I have a- terrible luck in the service industry in general. What was that? What brought that on? Mm, this is a really like bougie. No, this is going to be great. It's going to be this <laughs> pathetic display of time in your um, brain. What? Uh, wait, no, we're, yeah, well. Bad luck service I had a industry. Bad, <laughs> I had a really bad massage. <laughs> Well, that, this yeah. is a really good way to start. No, off. but you don't know with the massages. <laughs> it's you never know, and and I just feel like I always, yeah, I just always strike out. 
With massages or in general? With massages and specifically and then also. How often do you get massages? Because well, people tell me like, you should be, do it regularly. Again, I'm not bragging, but I could afford to have a massage yeah. maybe even once a month. But the idea of just like the touching. <laughs> <laughs> you don't like that? It's okay. No, I, I don't mind it. I, I trust a massage person. Right. And I don't, I don't even care. Male, female, doesn't matter. Right. But, you know, you better do something. Well, yeah, that's the whole point. Yeah. I, I was like in, I had, I had been traveling a lot. For what? For the work. movie? Yeah. And then I, d- I just shot this um, other movie uh, in Montreal. And so I just like, my body was like, I just needed some sort of body too work. Too much plane? Plane uh, action? Too much plane action. And then my therapist said that I needed to get a, a massage. Uh-huh. It's called a polarity massage that integrates your masculine and feminine energy. Uh, oh, wait, hold on. Let me look that up. <laughs> is, is it under bullshit? <laughs> a polarity yeah. massage? Uh-huh. Boy, they they figure out the angles, don't yeah. they? Wow. So so is everything... Is your, I haven't that, gotten one yet, uh, but I'll report back. Are you ready for that, though? It sounds like you know they're going to integrate the I'm two sides. For, and... I'm looking for integration, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sort of a lifelong search. So wait, what movies you shoot in Montreal? What, uh, you work a lot, huh? Uh, n- uh, no, I don't know. I <laughs> not enough. Really? Yeah, I'd like to work more. Um, I shot. I shot Ari Aster's new movie. Uh, you know, he directed Midsommar and Hereditary, mm. and he. Uh, so this was just acting, which was really nice. Yeah, big part. No. Did you make choices? I did make choices. Yeah. <laughs> There's no s- s- small parts, only small, small. choices. <laughs> yeah. Is it? Is it choices? <laughs> no, is it's actors. It's actors, yeah. yeah. And uh, was it a funny movie? He describes it as a four-hour nightmare comedy, which I think it's very funny. Wow. I mean, I bet you, like, so many people who are listening to this are like, I'm in. <laughs> four hours? It's. I think it's so brilliant. I think he's so brilliant. And I, I'm just like, yeah, I was so hyped to be part, of, part it? of it. Yeah. Is it um, weird? Yes. Okay. Yeah. It's you it's, like weird. Yeah, I yeah. love weird. Did you grow up weird? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My my. I grew up in Brooklyn. Uh, Before it was Brooklyn. Yeah, in the eighties. Like back when it was like reasonably priced. Yeah, and, and my parents did they own a whole brownstone? No, and this is no. like yeah. Mm. My parents are both visual artists, and they. Just they would like move into the cool neighborhoods before they were cool, but they could never afford to buy anything. So we never got the up upside of that. So they they didn't even do the kind of like we're here amongst the ruins, no, uh, making a life, but we own the block. No, oh God, no, no. My dad has still never owned a home, and my mom only <clears throat> bought her first home like in her fifties. Are they together? No. Mm. They when split when up. did that happen? When I was nine. Early, yeah, huh? Yeah, I, I think that's probably better. I've decided. My so parents you think so. Well, I mean, n- probably not for the kid in the sense that you know it's jarring. But like my parents split up when they were, when I was like thirty five, and I'm really? like, wow, the whole thing was a lie. You know, Whoa. But, you know, it, it's you can handle it as an adult, but you're just sort of like, how long was whatever? I don't know. I guess you know. That's crazy. Did they appear happy to you? No, they're terrible. Right. <laughs> Individually and together. I don't know. They're okay. all right. They, yeah. You know, they're just selfish people. That's what right. happens. So you realize, like, uh, your parents are like, wow, just people with problems that I grew up with. Yeah, yeah, I know. 
That that like revelation that your parents are human beings is just so it's, devastating. It's just the worst. Yeah. When did when did it happen for you recently? Early. Early. <laughs> yeah, really early. <laughs> there was very little um, pretense or performance of like normalcy. Re- why? Because was there? Well, they're artists. So what? What was the mediums? My mom is a video artist. You mean like Namjoon Paik? Uh, kind of. She's stacking TVs? <laughs> she doesn't stack those TVs, oh. but uh, hers is like a little more narrative than he's like super So perhaps a uh, an installation of your mother's work would have a, a podium with just an old black and white TV set on it <laughs> running. Does. What? No? No, she doesn't do, she doesn't do installations. Hers is, she's, she, yeah, her pieces were like. Uh, Many screens, one screen. One screen, like she did a lot around like patriotism and propaganda. She's Canadian, so she was like very interested in Canadian. Yeah, Are you dual citizen. I am. God damn it! <laughs> get out now! Just get out. <laughs> well, yeah, and it's time. I know. I know. I think it's time. You you do. Yeah. <laughs> You think it's now? <laughs> so you've put thought into this. I know that. Like, how do we know when when we're we're not saying uh, we can work with Hitler? How do we yeah. know when when we've come to that juncture? I yeah. Well, it got it got really scary. Yes. Uh, now it feels less scary. But but still uh, coming unraveled. It's it's definitely yeah. less scary. But something's not holding. No, and Jews are always in danger. Always, <laughs> yeah, so always, and you know you can't. You and the thing is, is the more you say it, the more we become annoying Jews to the people that don't like oh, us. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh my God. I don't. You know, you there's really not yeah, that you, many of us. You know, there's really in the big picture, not that many Jews. It's funny because, like, I feel that although the stereotype is that Jews run Hollywood, I am usually the only Jew in a cast. Is that true? I, mean, well, I don't think they're talking about the actors when they're saying the Jews run Hollywood. <laughs> That's true. But, uh, yeah. Well, but it is more corporate but it, but it is str- It is sort of, like, odd. Mm. You know? Like, uh, yeah. It's, it's just an interesting thing. Like, there, there. I guess maybe, yeah. Is there, a, is there like, a dearth of Jew- Jewish actors? No, know. there used to be. I mean, Jews, I think, uh, they were more popular in the 70s. Right. Like, I have this theory that... Once um, antidepressants became accepted and culturally uh, kind of okay, yeah. uh, the the whole neurotic Jew shtick kind of wore out. Oh, you think so? <laughs> it's a weird theory, but there were that's interesting. There were well, I mean, I, I I thought about it. It was really based on comedians because in the seventies there were all Jews. You know, there's some black guys and a few other ones, yeah. but there was a lot of Jews. You know, complaining about this or that. And uh, and then something happened in the eighties. Like it, it got to. I think it Prozac. really. Yeah, I think it got to the point where people are like, you know, you can you can probably fix this. You know, your whatever you're going through up there. Should, yeah, <laughs> probably stop kvetching about. Right, yeah, because I I feel that when I watch Richard Lewis, I'm like, still right. He's too, <laughs> I mean, I love him, and he's yeah. hilarious. But yeah. and I know it's an act to a degree, though he does. Uh, he is in the moment, but it's sort of like nothing's resolved. I know. Resolve nothing. <laughs> <I> know. <laughs> but have you resolved anything? A few things. Oh, you have? Yeah, I, it, until I spin out over a mole. Under yeah, my that's the thing. It's like it's never, it's never resolved. It's just an endless sort of cycle of panic. <sighs> but yeah, but I'm getting older. Dread. Oh, big. That, I mean, I find that like I'm not a depressive. You're not? No. Oh, wow. You? Yeah, of course. Come on. For real? Yeah. Mm. Oh, that surprises you? No, it doesn't surprise me. I just, I question it. I question it. 
Oh, you think it's like too easy? Uh, it's like a humble brag. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Like, oh, listen to the Jew lady <laughs> with her <laughs> with her problems. Yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But the massage didn't work. But you're gonna get the polarity one. Yeah. <laughs> I think the polarity one's gonna fix it. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. The you're panic. Gonna, the dread. You're gonna walk my out of there. You're gonna walk out of there Protestant. Yeah. <laughs> She's going to rub that Jew right out of me. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Worked it all out. Yeah. <laughs> Cried a little bit. Not even hungry. Um, no, because I found I find that dread, anxiety, right? Yeah. Panic. When taken to its logical um, highest pitch, yeah. just becomes something like depression. You it, There's an overwhelming that happens. Yes. And then you get shut down. Right. So, but I think that's anxiety. I don't think that's depression. So you think I've I've been misdiagnosed? <laughs> <laughs> Let's call him what, or her. What's, who's the doctor? Um, yeah. No. Well, well, I think I have a I have a com like a combo platter of like anxiety, overwhelm, and depression. Because there's also despair and despair. That's normal. But despair can come from anxiety because you're like, well, it's all wrong. Yeah, but despair is reasonable. Well, sure. To live so, in this world without despair, you're so like if you right <laughs> yeah. or religious, right. so right or or spiritual, which has its own problems. But I think despair is is rational, and you just have to manage it. Yeah, it's just if you can like, I struggled in quarantine as so many people did, but like climbing climbing out of the muck of, of despair. Well, yeah, but it was like, but at, at a certain point, well, you made a movie during it. Yeah. Which I, I thought was a good movie. That's why I'm talking to you. Oh, thanks. I wouldn't have talked to you. <laughs> I, would, I, I, I would be like, who is that? You know? Yeah. Um, so you grew up with this, like, you know, with the with the video, with the editing, yes. mom's editing. Yeah. She Do you had, have a sister? No. Brother? Uh, no. Well, I have two half sisters who are in Canada, but I was raised like as an only child in New York. So they're my dad's previous marriage. Oh, he's Canadian too? No, but he um now it's getting <laughs> He is, he left he left the states because he was um in the army and then he got called to Vietnam and he went to Canada. Draft dodger. No, he was a deserter because he was in the army. Oh, better, deserter. So he actually he had a crazy um he has Do a crazy Do you think it story. saved his life? Yes. But he wanted to be an artist, and so he like asked to be stationed in New York because he thought that he could be an artist while being mm. in the military. Where was he from? Uh, California. Hmm. And then he, uh, his job was to go like knock on people's doors and tell them that their you know husbands or brothers or sons were dead. So his it was a brutal, what? brutal um, position. Yeah, and so. I mean, it saved his life, but he had a he had a pretty traumatic experience in the army. So and then, he just he's sitting he stayed he's sitting at a uh, 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 army building or base in the city, and they're like sort of like here's the list. Yeah, and then, for today. Yeah, and then he'd have to go all over New York knocking on the doors, and he got punched in the face, got guns drawn on him. He got I mean, like they know. didn't want to accept it. Yeah, yeah. Wow, and he's an orphan. So I mean, talk about like an orphan. Yeah, like both his both his parents died by the time he was fourteen. So like then to also be delivering that news to people, it's just a a wild sort of and why, trajectory then, of grief. So it wasn't combat he was running from. It was 
the daily onslaught of death announcements? Well, no. He ran from the combat because then he got called to go to Vietnam. Uh, how long did he stay in Canada? Um, he stayed there for, I think he came back. I think he came to New York in like 77 or 78. So When does your mom come into the picture? They met in Vancouver in British nice Columbia. City. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, she came into the picture. In After like, he had the other two kids? Yeah. Hmm. So he had, uh, yeah. And then she moved to New York and he moved with her. And Is he still underground? Should we, do we have to vet this? <laughs> <laughs> no, he's not underground. Has he been, has he been uh, vindicated or what's the word? Or the, uh, pro- well, so Carter pardoned all the draft dodgers. Oh. But he didn't pardon the deserters. And my mom likes to believe that it was her. She wrote a letter and was like, you're going to pardon the people who didn't even serve. You should pardon the people who served. Mm. And then he did. I don't think it was my mom's letter that did it, but we can, sure. Let's say that it was. Yeah. Are, uh, and, and is that, uh, is, is all this captured on a video art piece? <laughs> no, she never made a story about his, he wrote a screenplay about it that I think got optioned in the 70s, but then nothing ever came of it. it sounds like a good 70s movie. Yeah, totally. Where, where like he just uh, walks around telling people their family members are dead. Yeah. And then uh, he, he just, it, the end is just him, you know, uh, getting off the plane in Canada. Yeah. And then that's it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it writes itself. In nineteen seventy two. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. that would that would have been a studio movie in nineteen seventy two. Yeah. Um but yeah. So it's, then they met and then so he does he's like a conceptual photographer. So he did a lot of like photograms and shit. Do you know what that is? Oh, like, I maybe. It's like like um projecting light through lenses onto photographic paper rather than like snap and shoot. Projecting. Right, I get it. So, yeah. like, uh, but is it abstract? Yeah. Oh, okay. Super so it's not. It's not like um, I get it. So it's not. It's it's just sort of an extension of like when you kind of like put a comb and a and a pliers and and some other thing on a yes piece, a piece of photographic paper and then you expose it for a second and then you develop it and you're like look a man ray right exactly <laughs> so it's different than that but well, similar was it, similar technique was yeah it color. Uh, he did, he used some color paper. He also, he did a lot of like collage work and then him and my mom collaborated on really cool stuff in the seventies too. Yeah. But then they, their relationship ended. Uh, Was it because of uh, an argument over, uh, an abstract over, piece? <laughs> over photograms? <laughs> um, no. So all that went on before you were even born. So now it's just, it's just stories you hear. Which which part? The like their collaboration, the the yes. bulk of their yeah. of the this well because you weren't you weren't born you were born later right yeah yeah I hear all those stories now um, and of course I've always been like very interested in their yeah dissolution. My dad moved down the block and I I did a crazy thing when they split up which was I think I was like worried about him. <laughs> you lived in the street. <laughs> well, I decided to spend every other night with him, which is like a really. But you just walked down there? I did, but it, it was like, yeah, it was just a, a strange... It is weird. Yeah. Did he appreciate it? I'm not sure. I think I was just like, I sort of went into like parent mode, like I was worried about him. Well, yeah, well, this sort of like, is this where it starts then? The uh, you yes. know, the obsession with the codependency business? 100%. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> Didn't you do like, isn't most of your work about that? Yes, right. Yeah. <laughs> It's a lifelong, <laughs> lifelong investigation but of were codependency. They... So, uh, boundaries? No. 
<laughs> hard, hard no. <laughs> no, uh, very bad at those. Mm. Um, but they weren't alcoholics. No, Mm-mm. but they were just uh, you know profoundly selfish people. Or no, I mean mm. they're they're wonderful people. I mean. I believe like we're all addicts, even if it's not whatever it is, <laughs> you know. Um, no, they're they're great. I just, um, yeah, I'm just fucked up, you know, like we all are. <laughs> Parents they're, fuck up their kids. <laughs> they're the worst. There's just no way not to, which is, I think, why I've always. True? Well, that's why I've always had a hard time wrapping my head around having kids. Cause, I don't have any. I'm 57. I'm yeah. proud. And I never, I never think about it. Yeah, it's like I just don't know how you don't fuck them up. Well, th- but there's, th- it's no time for children now. Th- well, now, over. God, no. I mean, I've never been like super into marriage or. Um, but you did it. I did it. We we recently separated, but I I did get married. Um, I've done that twice. Oh yeah, and no kids. High five. <laughs> two, two wives, no children. That takes well, a that certain. That is. That takes a certain type, type. of asshole. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think my second wife. And I do this on stage, unfortunately. I think my my, my second wife uh, put it like this. You think I'm bringing children into this? Um, so. Did, but they wanted, your your wives wanted? I think the first one w- w- wanted it, but I was too sort of like, I don't, I'm too self-involved and panicky and, and prone to anger at times, yeah. less now. Yeah. I just, it, I never, I just didn't do it and I'm fine with it. Yeah. I'm sorry you got separated. Thank you. Mm. No, it's good. We, we spent... I mean, it was like a 17-year relationship. So I oh, my like God. That's something to celebrate. Like, we, we did that. That's cool. You know? <laughs> that's like... Just that, that... And that was the only person? You didn't well, take breaks? Well, we, you... we did... We sort of went... Um, we went in and out of open... Of an, of an open relationship. It's no good. Huh? It's no good. Yeah. Is that's it? why I have so much indigestion. <laughs> How can someone with anxiety and no boundaries even... <laughs> begin to think like this is a good idea why don't you just go fuck other people i mean what do you well my so my mom's friends who i was like raised around are polyamorous mm-hmm. and so i was like raised around a lot of this ideology uh, like that like non-monogamy is something to like contend with you know um it's not something to scoff at but then yeah i think in practice it's then really how, how do you difficult. engage your like you know your jealous possessive part Oh, it's it's constantly engaged. Yeah. It's a muscle that is... I'm just saying that's the thing about polyamorous. It's like, I don't know if those people are well-grounded or absolutely totally untethered. And, like, I don't know, like, what... I don't quite understand relationships. I'm not great at them. Right. But the idea that, like, you know, so how... What'd you do this afternoon? I was with Joe. You know, yeah. What, Joe, oh, right, the guy you fuck on Thursdays. Right. I mean, how is that? How do you just be like, well, you, what are we eating? You know, I don't understand that. I will say that <laughs> when it comes back to integration, the integration of when your partner comes back from f- fucking somebody else into the home mm. is that it, that is a that's a tough day. I, I always had a hard time with it. You know, <laughs> Did <Me>? you? <laughs> yeah. It never got easier. Uh, um, I don't think that's unusual. I, I maybe we're just uh, maybe I'm not advanced enough. I don't. Know. I don't think it's an advanced thing. I I think it is like a. I don't. I think it's hard to shift the programming, even for like hardcore veteran polyamorists. You know, like I think there's still there's, it's it's impossible not to be jealous or possessive. Yeah, I don't think it, I don't I, I don't know what the the long term of that is. I don't know what that looks like. You know what I mean? And like a lot of times, like I but I don't want to. 
excuse me. If I, you know, if I start commenting on this, yeah, uh, then then They're the emails are going to come, come after you. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I don't care if a bunch of swingers come after me. <laughs> what do I? It's like that's you not, don't understand. That's not your niche. Yeah, I mean, audience. But they're probably going to get mad. I call them swingers. That's some sort of like dated term. It is dated. Of yeah. course, I know. Well, but I, I feel Doing like this, it on purpose. The, the new, this new generation who I'm kind of obsessed with. Oh, the fluid people. Yes, who are also they're also like, I mean, they're all just as anxious as we are. Maybe we more so because they were raised with like phones and Instagram. And we stuff. don't know how it's going to pan out for those people. You know, no. we're we're fortunate, and you're younger than me that you've got. You know, uh, at least you're, you know you're kind of rooted in kind of some sort of strange, uh, narcissistic '70s artistic ideology. Uh huh. You know, as opposed yeah. to just having these passive parents who are upper middle class with jobs you don't understand that just you know <laughs> let you be brought up by the internet. Right. You know, I don't know where that goes. I don't either. I I mean, yeah, Instagram is like, I I, I'm like, I, it's amazing and it's terrible. The Instagram, I, I don't have a Facebook page. Twitter, I just, I go in and out with. Sometimes I'll just, yeah. I, but it's, it hurts me all the time. It Instagram's is. the most easy one. Yeah. I'll I'll sit and do a fucking two hour live Instagram. You And will. I don't give a fuck. And that helps you just like release shit? I don't know. During I got into the habit of it during the pandemic to engage with people, yeah. you know, because my girlfriend died yeah. and I was alone yeah. and I was trying to figure how, you know, what do I do with that? And how do I, am I going to do comedy anymore? The weirdest thing about that time was like, I never, I, ne I never miss stand up. Like, mm -hmm. and I, and if that you'll understand this. The, the thought I had was like, maybe I'm all better. <laughs> you know, not like. Maybe I don't need to lean on those strangers. Yeah. But as soon as people started doing it again, I'm like, fuck, game on, I guess. Because of FOMO? Because of, com of competition? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but but also it's healthy what I do. Competition. It's not healthy. I'm terrible. I, I judge myself against people all the time. And, and I'm do you get like, mad at other I'm people's too old. successes? Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. Don't you? Yeah, of course. Are you kidding? Shit, we're fucked. <laughs> get out of here. I know. I want what they have. <laughs> yeah, but do, do we though? Yeah, I mean, sometimes right. you. Uh, the only way I can wrap... Or, you don't though. You know what I mean? I don't? Some, I don't think so. Oh. When you, I see who your friends are. <laughs> you know? The, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We don't know what's going on with them, really. Well, that's you know the what thing. I mean? like, and, and I will say, like, the the, the pandemic was interesting because, like, the breakups that I witnessed happening, which is, like, what always happens. But when, when like, couples break up who you've been, like, double dating with or who you at yeah. least, like, look at from afar as, like, they've got it figured out. It's always, it's a good, it's a good lesson that they, nobody has it figured out. If you really look at what they have and who likes them and, you know, like if with comics, like yeah. if I if I judge myself against a more successful comic, I look at their fans like I can walk down the hall in the comedy store. And, you know, I love Bill Burr. He's a friend of mine. Yeah. We're different in the way we approach it. And he was doing some main room shows. And like I'll get jealous of him because he's huge. And I, I have my audience and I do fine. I make a living. But there's these guys that are really huge. Is Bill Burr more famous than you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, as a really? comic, he sells more tickets. Yeah. Oh. So, so uh, it's probably more famous. It, it's all tribal. In my now. world, it's all... you're more famous than him. If that makes any difference. Well, I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. But so I walk down the hall and I look in the main room where he's running his hour, and I just look at the front row, stage right, you know, and I see a dude there, and I'm like, I don't want that dude. I got nothing for that. Dude. Yeah. Got nothing for them. Yeah. And like, I, I wouldn't know how to talk to him yeah. if we. I could be polite. And maybe sort of like, a, you know, are you in line? Yeah, but that's as far as that goes. <laughs> are you in line? <laughs> that's the depth of the connection. Yeah. yeah. 
So that I, I don't know if that's helpful, but consider <laughs> who you're jealous of and right. do you want their right. life? Right. I mean, uh. yeah. <laughs> so okay, so you've got. I'm not a good trying list. to get Bill Burr's life, but there's some others. That well, I, that's just an audience thing, and I and, and Bill's like you know he's but he's having some revelations about yeah, himself. It's very nice. Oh, good. So um, when do you start doing things? Um. Well, I went to NYU. I graduated film uh, acting, which is where I met my my ex husband. Who I will just say, we are still best friends and, and collaborators. And we you made, made this movie. We together. made How It Ends together, and he's an you've incredible made a few person. movies together. We made a number of movies, and that was really my start. Was that we started making movies together um, at NYU? Short. No, films. after ah. no after NYU, we entered into an open relationship right like away. About two years into our relationship, yeah. but we were young. You know, we met sure. when we were like twenty. Okay, so um, that's where you okay. And so, and then our first film was about our open relationship. It's called Breaking Upwards. And uh, we basically played versions of ourselves telling that story. Um, and then that, like, opened a lot of doors for us. So then we went on to make, like, a number of other features together. Yeah, they did the band one. Well, the band, so Daryl and I made three features, narrative features together. And then I went on to- Last do, name for the people. Daryl Wine. There you go. Um director extraordinaire mm. well, fabulous yeah, person yeah. <laughs> come on it's about you okay fine um uh i went on to direct my first feature because he directed all of those films mm. we like co-wrote them and co-produced yeah. them and i acted right. in them yeah uh and so band-aid was my my directorial debut right uh which was with yeah adam, adam pally pa- and, and, and fred armison and that was my like coming out party band aid mm. <laughs> as a director. Yeah, and it was really fun. And I hired a crew made up of entirely women, which was also That's really uh, cool and fun. And That's the right thing to do. Yeah, it was amazing because it um, it was just a, it was an amazing social experiment, <laughs> an artistic experiment. And how the, how did it do? How was it received? What did it uh, What did it bring to you? Uh, it was received very well. It premiered at Sundance in competition, which was really exciting. Mm. So I got like that was a bucket list thing to play the Eccles Theater at Sundance. Wow, that was really cool. And um, and then yeah, it opened it opened a lot of doors. So then I went on to direct my second feature, which was a remake of The Craft, which is that nineties. Yeah, I saw witch, that. Like yeah, and you, movie. why why that? Um, they came to me and asked if I wanted to pitch on it. And, um, you know, it's like a feminist horror, basically. Mm. And uh, I did want to pitch on it because it was like a, a pretty seminal, like, cult film in my coming oh, of age oh, years. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so then I pitched on it and I got the gig and I wrote it and directed it and went and made that. It was, you know. How'd that do? Uh, not as well. <laughs> Why? What do you think went wrong? Um. I think Band-Aid I made entirely independently, mm. um, and uh, and that was a studio picture, which I think is always just a more difficult process. You know, it's like there's a lot of cooks in the kitchen, and mm-hmm. um, and I and I think because I was like servicing a legacy like of the craft which right. I like had you know there were a lot of there were just a you lot just, of it's so funny because like you know in the world of directors wanting to you know sort of. You know, carrying the burden of honoring a legacy. Yeah, that one's kind of you know. You never win. Yeah, but I mean, but it's like usually it's because like I don't want to you know make something you know like the other one was such a masterpiece, right? And but for the craft, I mean, that was the thing. There was room. Who was really going to judge you? 
Right. Well, I guess horror fans. They must, it has crazy oh, that's fans. Right. It's, like, that's the worst. They're full of nerds, and they're, they're yeah, they're, and they're out. It. They're out for blood. <laughs> and did they did they come after you? No. You know, I think. Um, listen, this is my this as a screenwriter. Hmm. Not to brag. Um, no, that that was that was my only brag. That that's what I call myself. Um, as a screenwriter, I feel like the third act is just it's so fucking hard to get right, and I think that that's where the movie struggled was its third act. And and I'm incredibly proud of it. Like I I still think it's a really special movie. Um, but yeah, like I don't know any director who's ever like happy with like entirely happy with their film because it's always just being ripped from you in the edit you know right, <laughs> to like right. and this one was particularly wild like i i was told that it was coming out like a month before it it came out so i had to finish it really fucking quickly because mm. they wanted to get it out for halloween during the pandemic um but, the, but what's good is like something like that i would imagine like doesn't really stick to you yeah and then i think it was helpful that i went and made I think I think like it was great because I got to make like a studio movie, and yeah. as a woman, that's also like not a thing that happens. And you will make more. Yeah, so that was really I think. cool. Don't you think? I hope so. Yeah. Do you? Because like, I I know Lynn like you know her experience with uh, studio movies was sort of like I'm never doing that again. I'm gonna, yeah. Know, wrangle some money together and shoot this out in two months or yeah. six weeks. She had had such a cool career, and I'm so sorry Thanks. for your loss. She I never met her, but um. I always watched her from afar, and my mom is actually friends with Tanya, her sister, because she's like oh in Brooklyn goes with the restaurant, super fine all yeah. the time. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's like it's like golden handcuffs, you know. Like mm. I don't want to put it into the universe that I don't want to make a big movie cause because I think I it's... get all the money and the resources. Yeah, and you, and you might as well throw your hat in the ring and see if you can pull it off. Yeah, but I le- I mean, how it ends was like a really I made that right after the craft, and that was a really nice like reset because that was super gorilla. Oh, so the craft just came out. Yeah, last year or yeah, twenty twenty. Mm. And how it ends, but like I just want to make sh- make sure everyone knows that you act a lot. Yeah. And you like you know you had some pretty harrowing roles. <laughs> like what? Two seasons of Whitney. <laughs> I say that with love. Uh, I know. I, I've known I know. Her forever. You guys yeah. are homies. No, I do love Whitney. She's. I actually do love. She's her. amazing, and yeah, I had been even though I was like you know still young. I had been like auditioning for so long and couldn't fucking catch a break in the TV world. And she gave me that break. And I'm so grateful to her. Yeah. Um, like I bought my first house because of Whitney. So that's. Where do you, where was that? It, it, it's where I still live. But oh. Whitney, it was really funny. I went in and auditioned for her and I sat down and she said, why aren't you famous? Yeah. And I was like, I don't. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know how to answer that question. Yeah. Um, and then she really, you know, she fought for me. And it takes people fighting for you sure. in this industry yeah. to get shit. And, you know, before that was Glazer. Glazer. You know? <laughs> so I was, that I was, was already, a funny show. That was really funny. Delocated. Yeah. yeah. And it has a real cult following still. Does it still? Yeah. I love the two Johns, John Benjamin and John Glazer. Yeah. It's too funny. Oh, they're, they're so, so funny, funny. And so specific. Yeah. And, uh, so set in their ways. Yes. That's a good way of saying it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I feel bad talking shit about the craft legacy because it is, you know, it's wow. like this, it's a thing. This is a thing. You didn't though. I know, but I did. I did kind of. Well, 
You haven't even seen it. I mean, I think it's like such the film after Breaking Upwards was a Fox Searchlight movie that Daryl and I made together that was critically like not well reviewed. Yeah. Starring Greta Gerwig. And um, which one was that? It's called Lola Versus. And it's funny, like we've had this discussion of like when people ask about it, uh, my first instinct is to go, oh, yeah, like don't watch it. You know, even though. Right. I th- I'm proud of it in many ways, but there's like the self-protective mechanism that comes in to go like, you're going to look at the Rotten Tomatoes score and then you're going to judge me. Right. Which also like fuck Rotten Tomatoes. But um, you know, it's weird about me. I don't even ever look at it. You don't? No. I don't know what the fuck people are looking at. I don't know where people find the time. I don't <laughs> like I like I, I, what is I don't I don't check anything. If somebody I respect says maybe you ought to watch this. I'm like, all right, I'll check it out. Or this looks interesting. I don't go to. But this is the problem: is that now the Rotten Tomato score is on the iTunes when you press. So just when you pull it up, even if you're not seeking it out, I don't you pay see, attention to it. Well, that makes me feel better. Yeah. Anyway, the the craft did. I think it did well. Uh, yeah. Otherwise, it just that the critics, you know, they had problems with the third act, which is like fine. Third act's hard. Third act's hard. What are you going to do? It's an amazing so, cast. It's an amazing cast of like incredible young women, and it. It's. I, I think it's a, an important story to tell. So that was something go. that was easier in the seventies. The third act. Yeah. yeah oh, just yeah. don't end it. Didn't have one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So let the guy just go off yeah. on a bus. Once antidepressants <laughs> came into town, third acts skyrocketed. They were everything. People wanted closure. <laughs> they wanted a button. Yeah. So the new movie. Let's uh, let's figure that out. I the reason I liked it was because I you know when I looked you up. And I was like, what is this person? What and is this person? Yeah, like, what does she do? Right. And then I'm like, oh, she's one of those, uh, knows all the cool kids. <laughs> like, I could tell from the movie, I'm like, oh, I know that guy. Oh, okay. yeah. She called him, too. Yeah. Oh, there's, what's his name? Yeah. So, uh, like, I, the reason I liked it is it, it kind of like the conceit of it is, is what it is, but it's sort of like this weird, it is an art film, yeah. I've decided. Oh, thank you. Did you decide that? Yeah. <laughs> Good. <laughs> like, you know, like bonafide. It's like, a, uh, like it's not, you're not, it, it's a poetry piece. Oh, thanks. Yeah. yeah it, uh, I think because like the development process on the craft was like so intense. Yeah. It was really nice to like, I don't know, open up, <clears throat> I, I don't know, the process to like allow for it to be whatever it wanted yeah. to be, to yeah. be like more fluid and poetic in that yeah. way I guess because I didn't have to be like hitting like and then the climax happens and then the yeah. denouement and then you know well, that, I mean that's but what I, I liked about it yeah it, it was so funny because I, I, I'm thinking like man she really did this on a budget and you know I, I guess the only expense was stopping traffic but it turns out there, <laughs> there was, was no a, traffic <laughs> yeah I was just sort of like, all they paid for was to, you know, to have people at the end of the streets to yeah. stop the cars. No. But it was the middle of the fucking yeah. thing. No, we had a crew of three people. There was nobody stop stop traffic. <laughs> There's just no cars around. Yeah. I mean, we would hold for like a scattered few cars. I talked but... to Helen Hunt about it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She's the best. Yeah, she is. Um, Yeah, no, it was amazing. I mean, and that was like part of, I think, our intention in making it was to sort of like serve as a time capsule for this totally surreal moment on the streets of LA that it looked it was so apocalyptic you know yeah inherently that we were like let's get out there and shoot it and also I found it to be like one of those movies where like it's like the journey of it like the you know that 
that every there's a someone else just used an asteroid hanging in the sky. Really? Exactly like your asteroid. What do you mean in a movie? Yep. But no, in a series. Really? Yep. Joseph Gordon Levitt and Mr. Coleman, the oh, new series. Oh, is it good? Yeah, yeah. It's it, but it's not. It's his. It's a manifestation of his anxiety. But it's, oh. it looks like the same effect. Really? Like the exact That's so funny. same effect. Well, and then like Adam McKay, his new movie. I think is also, I don't know if it's an asteroid, but something's like going to hit the earth. I guess we all, it's funny. It's like we, we made um, Breaking Upwards and then like Katie, Katie Asselton made a movie about an open relationship. There are a bunch of like open relationship movies oh, at no, the same time. Oh no, that happens all the time. Can't I feel like it's funny. Like there's something why. that happens in the, I don't know, ether, the, yeah, the, zi- the, collective, the collective unconscious. unconscious the, yeah. yeah, it's annoying. Yeah. I don't know why that is. It makes you wonder about things. You know what I mean? It's like, well, is that a coincidence? What's going on? Are yeah. we all part of one mind? I, I should say the name of the movie. Oh. How It Ends is what we're talking about currently on the podcast. Yeah. So, but, but like each point, uh, like how did you, when you scripted it, so the idea is like you had a time that the world was going to end and everyone knew it. And this was the day of. Yeah. I mean, I think the intention was like, I was. I think we were both, obviously, as the world was trying to process what the fuck was going on um, with the pandemic and with quarantine and being like trapped. But it was this like, I think the dichotomy of being in this apocalyptic like nightmare, mm. but also just like being in sweatpants and watching Netflix every day yeah. was so like wild you know right and so i like the idea we hadn't seen like an apocalyptic comedy that wasn't like mayhem violence like, like that zombie one, uh, that seth seth and, did yeah what was it called? so good um similar title right what is it called with Which satan is so and everything good. yeah 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 but it's like it's madness yeah, no, it's, out on those streets yeah, it's amazing yeah. um and so this was like what what would it like there was a certain point, I mean, we're sort of still in it, where we were just like resigned to this new normal. Well, well but, and also it's interesting how this culture comforts itself. Yeah. You know, it's just sort of like, you know, bread and, uh, yeah, and watching things. <laughs> People were baking. A lot of sourdough, I just, like, yeah. Well, I just love that, like, as that started to wear off, like, everybody was sort of excited. It's like, well, we're going to do things during, and then, like, three months in, they're like, oh, get me out of here. I don't want to fucking even look <laughs> at my children. No, no bread is going to stop this from, yeah. I was so grateful not to have children in the pandemic. Oh, my God. Oh, God. The journey of those people. I know. Um, but so, yeah, so so you thought that the, the, the disconnect was interesting. Yeah, and and so, like, what would it look like if, like, we had all been preparing for the end of the world, which we kind of were doing so that on the last day, I mean, not the end of the world, but you know what I mean? On the last day that people were resigned sure. to it and sort of it was just a more introspective, self-reflective mm-hmm. energy. And what would that look like? And, and so we started to explore that. And also we were trying to shoot everything outdoors and six feet apart. So it worked to sort of have like a walk right. and talk journey. Right. With your, well, the device of your younger self. Yeah. What's that girl's name? Kelly Spaney. Yeah, yeah. She's yeah. amazing. She's That's also it. the star of The Craft. Oh, she is. Didn't I, didn't I see her in something else recently? Mayor of Easttown. Yes. She's, yeah. yeah. She's great in that. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. She goes bye-bye. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right away. So but, quick. Yeah, it's yeah. all. <laughs> so quick but, she goes bye-bye. But, but, uh, but she's the, the heart of the whole story. Yeah, and she's amazing. She's, we worked on The Craft together and like I fell in love with her and then. I was like, do you want to make a weird little movie Well, see, now? that's right there. Like, you know, how does that, you know, how does that continue to work? Like, that's what I think sort of establishes it as a 
meditation on something, right? Yeah. And as an art film, is that you know, all right, this is this is her younger self, and that's okay. Yeah. We're just gonna. <laughs> yeah. Gonna, we're gonna walk with them through yeah. Silver Lake, I guess, for <laughs> two hours. Right? Yeah, that's the log line. Um. <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna it's, go gangbusters. Yeah, yeah. It's gonna be huge. Um. Yeah. Well, also because like. I mean, I was doing a lot of inner child work with my therapist. You were? Yes. And my mom had sent me... Um, what does that look like? It's like figuring out how to talk to your inner child. Because it's the inner that child... That asshole? Yeah. <laughs> because it's the inner child that's like so anxious. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, right, right, right. Like, I feel like it those... It doesn't feel safe. The overwhelm that we feel is yeah. like actually our chi- inner oh, child. Shit, man. I know. Yeah. So it's like, how do we speak to that person and like reparent? No, I get that. No, I, 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 I've, I've applied some of that. It's hard. It's so hard. Did you ever read the Fantasy Bond? No, what's that? Do I have to read it? I don't know. It's just if it's changed my mind about you know why I am like I am, and I, like lately, what I've realized about the inner child thing outside of the Fantasy Bond, which I'll explain to you later. I've heard. I've just. I can't sell any more of his books. <laughs> That's fine. I don't mind it, but it's like I've explained. He's not it a sponsor. No, no, I've, I, I've, Dr. Firestone. Okay. <laughs> Robert Firestone. No one knows this book, and I think it's like one of these Rosetta Stones of really? or whatever, of contextualizing a certain type of uh, uh, emotional disfigurement. <laughs> I have to read it. Yeah. Uh, like, you know, I used to be this way about the denial of death, the Ernest Becker book about transference. Never about, read that. Well, yeah. It, it, but I, I just get locked on these things that, that reconfigure how I see something. Yeah. Because these are just. They're just, uh, you know, they're just uh, Framing templates. Framing devices. Yeah, yeah, that's all. All of it. What's happening to me, though, is like knowing, like, I can't, like I'm like i trying to be like, what about the good times, man? And I look back and I'm like, not too many. Are there any? You know, and then really? I'm like, what? Well, well th- let me explain why. Uh, like, if you feel uncomfortable or socially awkward or, or you know, uh, stressed, like, how is any part of your life going to be anything other than panic and embarrassment? So, like, all the sort of sign, like, any time that I had a good thing happen, yeah. the panic leading up to it, yeah. that the only, the, the good time equates to, like, God, I got through it. 100%. Right? I know. I've been dealing with that so much lately where I'm like, I'm just waiting for the thing to be over, even right. if the thing is something that I'm excited about. Right. Because it's causing me so much anxiety. Yeah. And then I try to go, like, no, live in the thing. Right. Or even any victory, yeah. any small victory, yeah. you can't celebrate it because if you celebrate it, then it all gets taken away. <laughs> right, 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 right. It was okay. <laughs> yeah. Just okay. Yeah. But it's great. No, 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 no. no, 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 no. no. We did it. No, it's yeah. Like, it's behind us. It's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was very disturbing to me that like all the memories are traumatic because you just didn't feel good about yourself. I know. What do we do? <laughs> We're not that person anymore. There is self-acceptance now. We have d- achieved things. Yeah. We have uh, somehow, despite our anxiety and our weirdness, uh, have our ambitions have compelled us to accomplish things, and there are things we want to do. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it is possible to sort of enjoy them. I think it's possible to enjoy the process. I don't know. I'm trying. Yeah. I'm trying. It's just that there's so much anxiety, but it's like how to not have anxiety in this world is an impossibility. So, but like all we got is this like the, I know. You know, like and as things become more um, tribal and more sort of like uh, insulated, everyone's got their own little world. Um, you might as well enjoy that because it yeah. doesn't matter to the rest of it. 
Yeah. That's why I'm saying I just want to be partying. <laughs> right. <laughs> because is, like... But what does that look like? Well, my therapist says that I need a, a, I need to embrace play. <laughs> There's that's the, that's the next one person show. <laughs> Embracing play. Embracing play. Maybe that's your TED talk. Oh, that's so good. Um, yeah, and it's just going to be me like doing drugs on stage. <laughs> <laughs> what do you guys want? <laughs> I haven't got enough oh, for everybody. Is this mic working? <laughs> um, That's like my that. drug this, guy voice. This mic was good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the audience can't see it. But All my drug doesn't. characters talk like that. Hey, man. <laughs> Don't you? Yeah. There's an old story about a guy, about a road comic. Uh, it's, sometimes it's attributed to John Fox, who's dead, or Teddy Bergeron, who's alive, where uh, he's on stage at some club, and uh, he'd been doing blow, like who knows how much, you know, and uh, and his nose just started bleeding in the middle of his set, and he didn't really notice it, and, but the audience was like, what? And then he, he realized it, and he, he just, without missing a beat, looks at the audience like, what, doesn't anyone party anymore? <laughs> Oh, that's so good. It's the best. Yeah. Oh, Fuck man. you, people. That's I'm so living it. Good. Yeah. Yeah. No, oh, that's gonna be my. That's my 2021 uh, sort of careful. like through line. Be careful, no, not cocaine. Man. Just what doesn't anyone party anymore? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, no, like last summer I went to New York, and there oh. were these like outdoor masked dance parties on the street. Are you a dance party person? Yes, love to dance. And you do it. Yeah. So that's nice. So nice. That's not one of the things you're like, I, you know, just getting through it. No, yeah. but that was like me being like, oh, this is living. I brought my mom, who's incredible. Do you like LCD sound system? Yeah. Okay, good. Why? I just want to know if you're one of those people. Yeah. Did the key get taken away? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> generational <laughs> thing. You don't like LCD sound system? They're okay. I interviewed him recently and I, oh, yeah. I really dug in and I get it. I get it. Yeah. I understand why. It's just, I missed it. Oh, it's really? It's not a matter of me not liking him. That was like prime. Like I was at, at NYU right. from 2000, 2004. Right. So it was like Strokes, Yeah, 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 yeah. LCD Sound System, and Rapture, all those bands. Did you read so that, that book by Lizzie Goodman? Yeah, so okay. good. Yeah. Yeah, I love that book. I was so obsessed with this. Yeah, strokes. like I had that, that book, like it's like not my time at all. Reading that book is sort of like, what was, I was around. <laughs> How did I miss all of this? So you were in New York then? What year? 2000, 2004. Yeah. Or no, I just left. Right. Well, that's why I missed it. But I mean, I was still like doing, but I was so locked into comedy. Right. I moved out here in 2002 after 9-11 with a woman and because she, she didn't, she freaked out and we had to get out. And so that I was here in 2002. Whoa. Yeah. Interesting. She was downtown uh, uh, and got out of the train, the raining ash. No. Yeah. I was sleeping. Yeah. I got up and I looked at, I opened up my AOL homepage. <laughs> to one tower and I'm like this is not April Fool's and yeah. I'm like what and then I was on my roof in Astoria yeah watching it yeah. yeah so being in New York for that I feel similar the the coming out of the pandemic the, the anxiety the weird sort of de destabilized environment yeah although it's like New York obviously is so such an amazing place in terms of like coming out of things like that where mm. I, I felt like I feel like even now New York post yeah. not post pandemic but wherever we are now in right. is like it's alive <laughs> I, mean, I have to go back I, I'm, I'm dying to go because I'm working on a thing with my friend Sam Lipsight and uh uh, and we're writing, and but I just want an excuse to go back. I'm doing the New York Comedy Festival if this melanoma under my nail oh, doesn't, you know, if <laughs> I don't is, lose the top of my finger, <laughs> I might have that? to lose the top of my finger. That's okay. 
Yeah, I think well, it you is. Need you lose pieces more. as you get older. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes that's the, that's the life you got. <laughs> Just taking pieces off. Um, when is it? It's in November. Oh, nice. Uh, I don't know what date. So. I'm going to Patty Lupone's house for um, Thanksgiving if you want to come. <laughs> really? That's exciting. My mother's trying yeah. to get me to Florida. Oh, no, mm. don't go there. Hmm. What, how, how, why are you going? Where's Patty Lupone live? Well, she she's um I think like by Central Park. Oh. She's in she was in the Ari Aster movie, and we got really close in a short amount of time. And now I just want to spend every waking moment with her. Yeah. So you dance? So you dance at the the masked? What was that? Where were you? We? Oh, <laughs> yeah, at the well, it was a uh, it was this street in um mm. in Fort Greene that they shut down. It, it started with um uh like. You know when people started banging pots for uh, essential workers uh-huh. at a certain time every night, yeah. and they started turning their speakers out, and then it just became this like dance party every night. So every night from five to seven, I would go. Well, that's good. It was so fun. That's nice. It's an early curfew. You know, yeah. you get it out of your system. Yeah. And I was saying, I brought my mom, and she wept because it was. It was like, oh my god, communal. Yeah, just mm. to, like be around people. Yeah. Then they would play like MLK speeches at the end. It was cool. With a beat or yeah, no, there'd no. be like beats behind it. Yeah, yeah. It felt like a New York of yore that I wasn't there for. That I've always like, of course, been nostalgic for. Well, that's what. Yeah, New York's amazing with that with community sense, yeah. the sense of community, and the way people uh, coexist and take yeah. care of each other. It's it's. There's no place like it, no. and it always annoys me having lived there for so long. You know, when people judge it as this sort of like, well, New York's a K, like the Midwestern view of New York. It's like you don't even fucking know. Yeah. <laughs> The only time you see your friends is at church. We're up each other's ass every fucking day. Yeah. We're smelling each other's sweat every day. Yeah. You got strangers touching you. Yeah. And we love it. Yeah. We're inviting it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's the best city on earth. I never thought that I would live here, but here I am. It's okay here if you have a nice house. It's nice. Um, So- the movie, like, did you, how tight was the writing in in terms of deciding what each person or stop meant? I would say, like, half of the scenes were very tightly written. Yeah. And then the other half were outlined and we were improvising off of a structured outline. So, like, the scene with Helen and mm. with Bradley Whitford yeah. and with all of my scenes with Kaylee, those were all written. Because I think that was really important right. to, to get that shit right. Right. But then the scenes that were more, like, just comedic and like fun sort of so uh, Whitney was just improvising Whitney was (laughs) definitely improvising we went to her house and uh and she found that party was that the party wasn't at her house yeah um her house too nice to invite that many people to yeah um but like she had that like weird bubble oh yeah yeah and she was like I'll just put this on my body and roll down the street in COVID and we were like "Mm, okay yeah (laughs) (laughs) but she's down for yeah yeah whatever and then you you got Polly to she got Polly chime in I so she improvised in like the opening when she was like on the phone Mm. she improvised that Polly Shore was gonna be at the party and then I was like do you think you could actually get Polly Shore to come to the party she was like easy (laughs) she was like not a problem (laughs) and Polly showed up had no idea where he was or what he was doing but was hey (laughs) (laughs) what are we doing okay what's your name yeah yeah he was just excited to be like close to i've grown to like paulie yeah he seems like a like i i've known him since like you know when i was a doorman at the comedy store but like as he gets older there's and he he he's on to himself yeah so it's great yeah and it's it's just sort of he's He's just like the last time I saw him. I was like, dude, I moved to Vegas. <laughs> yeah. 
It's so good. You can get good food (laughs) every night. And, but like, all the women are prostitutes, like all of them. So it's hard to date. Oh my God. But I just oh like the God. idea that like, he, like he's like he got money saved. Yeah. And he, like, cause he did real estate and the movies and you know, they now he's out of uh, the store. They bought him out of that. And he's just sort of like, I can get, cause I don't like Vegas, but if you just want to eat good food every night, you probably can, right? And Sounds you can like do a shows. Nightmare. No, I, I guess so. I don't know, but his his old man lived there for years. So I, oh. I think it's just you know something you either think is like this is great if you have money, this is great, and yeah. you don't gamble, right? Go to shows, whatever. I guess I don't. I never go there. Yeah, don't look at me like I'm saying I'm promoting something. No, yeah, I never go there because it makes me feel cor- corrosive. Very, yeah. Like it's corrosive Toxic. and weird. Yeah, yeah, and just like the like when you're in one of those rooms at a big hotel with no VIP treatment, it's sort of like. This is horrendous. Yeah, I can't even imagine doing that shit. I just just being a a hotel guest is like yeah. a hellscape in general. No, no, just in, in Vegas. Vegas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, just I love our... being a hotel guest in general. <laughs> I do, I really like it these days. It's just sort of like I don't have to do anything. Yeah, Min- minimal effort. I'm, go- I'm going away tomorrow. Where are you going? Salt Lake City. Why? I'm gonna be a Mormon. Oh. You're gonna what? Be a Mormon. <laughs> I'm going to do comedy. <laughs> right. I'm going to do comedy for the Jack Mormons. What are Jack Mormons? Ones that are over it. Oh, really? Yeah. Is that an actual term? Mm-hmm. Want me to look it up? <laughs> no. I'm going to. Jack Mormon, a Mormon who is not strictly observant. Wow. Yeah. It's like a modern Orthodox. Yeah, or a sympathetic non-Mormon living among Mormons. That's tricky. Sympathetic that's a, that's a non-Mormon. That's going to be you. Well, that's everyone who lives in Salt Lake City right. <laughs> for whatever reason other than being Mormon. Right. Yeah. Well, they're not all sympathetic. They kind of got to be. They have to be, They I run guess. the place. Yeah. You know, you can't walk around I've going, never been. these Mormons. Cause yeah, I guess so. <laughs> this weird, you know. It's okay place to work, but like I, I made my shows Vax only, and, and that was the only place where there was like significant refunds. You know, really? Back. Yeah, it was Utah. Oh, my God. It'll be fine, though. Yeah, it'll be fine. No, there's there's enough. I sold enough. I'm trying to work on an hour, so I'm doing club work. I'm not doing the right. theaters because I'm a theater act lady. I'm not yeah. gonna fuck around. <laughs> I'm gonna t- There's like some cities I can sell like 1,200 tickets. You just called me lady. Can- yeah, I did. <laughs> okay, just wanted to make sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, are we done? <laughs> Sear <your> show. <laughs> I don't know. I think I feel like we covered a lot. Thank you for coming over, and uh, I enjoyed the movie, and Thank I, you. I hope uh, people like it. Thank you. Where's, is it opening in movie theaters? It is in movie theaters, but it's also on iTunes and Amazon. Get it anywhere? Get it anywhere. How much did it cost you to make it? I don't know those things. You do. Did you Never. just use a camera you had at your house? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> use your phone? Did you use your phone? No, but that's an option. Mm. Um, but it didn't cost a lot of money. And you it was to 80 to 100 okay. million. Wow. <laughs> Where million dollars, yeah, for the asteroid effect that was just wasn't for the like, effect, and also my fees. Okay, oh, yeah, so you did well, that's great, yeah, yeah. And you really kind of you know rake some fucking investors over the coals, yeah, good for you. Me and Paulie's fees, <laughs> <laughs> <Paulie>. very high. <laughs> His writer is crazy, <laughs> is it? It can't be. Are you gonna pick me up? <laughs> Am I gonna ride over with you, Whitney? <laughs> <laughs> All right, nice talking. Nice I'll show talking you. Let's too. go talk about the fantasy okay. bond. Okay, great. 
Zoe Lister-Jones, funny, charming, talented. Should I put that first? Talented, powerful, works hard, does good work. Charming, funny. There you go. Is that properly ordered? Here's some Telecaster for you. Japanese Telecaster for you. With some echo and some bouncy bounce. Some tremolo. Monkey, La Fonda, cat angels everywhere. Mm-hmm. 